Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. I want to welcome you if you're a first or second time visitor. My name's Sean Olson. I get the incredible honor of being the pastor here at Venture. Uh, I'm so grateful you chose to be with us. There's so many things you could do with your time. Time is one of the most limited resources we have. And you choosing to be here today, it's just an incredible honor. On behalf of my whole team, thank you. We do have a barbecue right after service. We're excited about it. Today we're going to wrap up this, this We Are series. Of course, if you were with us last week, uh, we celebrated our first birthday. That's why it's birthday month. Listen, this, this year we did two weeks of celebration. Last week was the, uh, was the big service celebration. Today's the big barbecue. We got sweet surprises afterwards. You want to stay around. You want to get your kids to stay around. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've already decided, like, next year we're just going to have a whole month. It's going to be celebration month because that's how you celebrate a birthday. Uh, so last week we, we told the story. And I hope, I hope you were here to, to hear how, how this thing got started Eight people, we actually quite literally brought my kitchen table here. Uh, We almost broke it a couple times. It was good. It's back in my living room now. Uh, But we brought brought the table here uh, and and quite literally talked about how eight people sat around a table and dreamed of something today that, by the way, we're out of chairs, y'all. We're out of chairs. Eight people two years ago, and we are out of chairs today. Uh, That... uh, that alone, I could stand here and tell you how unique and incredible this place is. Uh, but we took time to tell the story today. I'm going to capture a statement we use a lot, and it's, we aren't like family. We are family. Uh, that's the depth of our, our care for each other. But when you say something like that, uh, what does it mean? What does it look like? You know, how do you unpack that in today's society? And ultimately, if I could, if I could break it down to, to one thing, it's about genuinely doing life with each other. Genuinely walking through life with each other. Honestly, I believe with all of my heart, there's this epidemic where we've traded for knowing about people for knowing people. Like, I actually apologize to somebody on the way in. I feel like I know them, but in reality, guess what? I don't. I don't know. I might know what kind of clothes they wore yesterday, what they have for lunch. I might know what kind of shoes they like. I might know all kinds of things about them, but in reality, I don't know them. I didn't sit down and have a meal with them and, and, and look in their eyes and see their struggle. See, here's the thing. We've traded knowing people for knowing about people. We, we've, we've, we've traded sharing our experiences for sharing our souls, for sharing our lives with people. Hey, I did this today. Like some of you, you go tag venture like, hey, had barbecue adventure today. What, what? But then everybody in the world sees it. But do they know you? Do they know you. So we've traded sharing experiences, shouting into the, to the world for sharing our lives, sharing a table. And what makes Venture special, even on a day like today where I'm looking going, are you back there back row? Like every chair is full. On a day like this, it's not a crowd that makes us special, it's a table. It's not a Christ. See, this is, this is meaningful. This is important. But you know what's going to happen after this? We're all going to sit around and have a meal because that's what relationship, that's what doing life together looks like. It's not in the crowd. It's in the connection. And sometimes we're okay being in an anonymous crowd and not actually being connected. 
We, we, we trade this thing. And then I, I, I found this scripture this week, and I thought, how appropriate is this scripture for us today in, in today's world? Romans 12, 9 and 10 says this, says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I love the way it starts. Don't just pretend to love people. Like, just don't be fake. Like, we, we just, just, simple kindness isn't good enough. Southern hospitality, it's not enough. Like, how are you? It's good. I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. This is great. Hey, hey, how the kids? Hey, hey, hey. You got some barbecue? Hey, it's great. Hey. Like, we, we think that is, that's enough. Well, I was nice to them. Yeah, but were you really? Walk away, oh man, I can't believe they wore that to church. Like that teacher has some skinny jeans on. Right, like, like, hey, how you doing? Don't just pretend to love each other. There's a, there's a call to share our lives with each other, to be in relationship, to walk through struggle with each other. It says, hey, pretending to love each other is not enough. In other words, surface-level kindness isn't enough. Knowing about each other isn't enough. Following each other on social media, it's not enough. It's not enough. What makes venture special and, and what makes what we are called to do special, this isn't a venture thing. This is the way we're supposed to be living thing, is genuinely loving people. I love the word genuine at the end. Love each other with genuine affection. Love each other with genuine care. Who? Who should we love? All people. That's why when we started this church, the first conversation that we, we, we really worked around was, what were we going to be about? And we settled on this phrase, church for all people. And so why that? Because I believe in all people. Like we're supposed to care for all people with honest integrity and care. So regardless of what brought you through our doors today, maybe it was barbecue and it's going to be good, y'all. It's going to be so good. I mean, I, I, do, you, do you feel it right here right now? You know what I'm saying? Mouth starting to get that little water and you're like, mm, can he just shut up and we eat already? No, it ain't ready. Calm down. They won't have it ready till we done right here. But you know, you're starting to feel it. Like It's going to be good. And maybe that's what brought you through the doors. Maybe someone bribed you. They looked at you and said, hey, listen, they're going to give away free barbecue. You said, fine, if it's free, it's for me. I'm coming. Like, whatever it is, you got here. I want you to know this isn't a statement. It's not at the front door. It's from the stage. It's from everybody on our team. You're loved here. Your family. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Now, when we use that word family, what does it look like? Because I promise you, I promise you, my family environment might look a little different than your family environment. You get all the Olsons together is going to be interesting and entertaining at minimum. At minimum. You just put me and my brother together, it's going to get interesting and entertaining at minimum. There's plenty of stories to tell. You know what I'm saying? I can't tell you all of them. I can't tell you any of them, really. You'd be looking at me going, for real? Say what? Like, yes. See, my family environment and your family environment probably look a little different. We were all at, all at a football game for, uh, for my nephew Chase, Shane's son, last night. Now, we just hooting and hollering for no good reason. He's, sit, like, he's on the sideline, and we're like, Chase, Chase, Chase is on the case. Like, if you watch Paw Patrol, you got that. You got the youngins. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, we're, he isn't even in the game. <laughs> then, then we start doing this one. Like, we're that parent. I'm not even the parent, by the way. I'm the uncle. And I'm like, Chase wants to play, coach. 
It's that guy over there. I don't know who it was. Like, like we all, like you get your family together, your environment is going to be different. So then I, I think the problem is when we say we are like family, we are family, we interpret that through the lens of our own family. So I'm like, hey, let's hoot and holler together. Let's have some fun. And somebody got to go, what is he doing up there? Like for real, because we interpret it through the lens of our family. So when we say it here, what does that actually mean and what it should look like? Simply put, Romans 12, don't pretend to love you love each other, do it genuinely. Simply put, if we can just do this, I mean, we can change the world. I mean, think about it. If we just stop pretending to love people and actually love people, how would we change the world? How would, how would people view us differently? How people view you differently if we stopped pretending? I see this relationship, this idea of genuine care played out best between David and Jonathan in the Bible. I love their relationship. You see, David had already been anointed king. King, king David, who would later become king, he'd already, already been chosen or anointed king. He had just defeated Goliath, which is obviously one of my favorite Bible stories in the whole Bible. David and Goliath is, is absolutely one of my favorite. Jonathan, however, was King Saul's son. He was in line for the throne. He was on a crusade of defeating the Philistines. So you have David who is now the chosen next king, anointed, who just defeated Goliath. And you have Jonathan, who'd been on this crusade to defeat the Philistines and had the line on the throne. And these two guys, when they meet, what happens is spectacular. And if we don't look at the backstory, we miss how special it is. 1 Samuel 18, 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them for Jonathan... Loved David. And that's important for us to note. Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to, da to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Now, here's what I got to tell you. This relationship has everything working against it. We read it and go, man, they became friends. How cute is that? It's awesome. Everybody go, aw. That was weak. Let's try again. Everybody go, aw. Aw, they became friends. That's, like, that's, that's how we read the Bible sometimes. And we forget there's backstory. This is a mess. This shouldn't really happen. David and Jonathan become friends. But this relationship has everything working against it. Everything that could be working against it is working against it because relationships are messy. Anybody been married longer than a year? Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. Relationships are messy. It's all right. Be like a little hallelujah, peach, man. Like, you know, relationships are messy. You hang out with the same person for a little while, all of a sudden you're like, you brush your teeth the wrong way. What's wrong with you? You squeezing the tube paste in the middle and toothpaste going everywhere. Then you don't put the lid back on it. You're a scrub. That's just my personal issue. Don't worry about me. For me, like, you want to know when, when it all came off, the wheels started coming off for me? Be honest here. Like a little counseling session, like 300 on one. Y'all just help me out. Right? So we've been married. We've been married a long time, by the way. We've been, at this point, we've been married like five, six months, whatever. And I'm like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help out around the house. She's at work. I'm going to fold the towels. I didn't know you could fold the towels the wrong way. 
I folded the towels the wrong way. And I didn't fold towels again for 12 years, y'all. Somebody. <laughs> Come on, let's have fun. Right? So, but here's the thing. After you've been together, you, you start not Why? Because relationships are messy. And sometimes there's a little bit of work. There's some things going against this relationship. The first thing is the past. The past creeps into our present relationships, and that's important for us to understand. You need to go back to David's past and have to make the choice, past or present. Think about David here. Give you a little history lesson on David. David's blood brothers hated him, bullied him, left him out. Right? Think about it. Solomon comes to the house like, hey, let's throw a party. One of you guys is going to be king. Bring them all in. It's like, oh, don't bring David. It could never be him. There's a big confidence builder. Talking about being picked last for dodgeball. You were picked last for king. Like, weren't even considered. His brother's like, ah, don't bring that guy in. So then he's anointed king. He's chosen. His brothers see it. He finally shows up on the battlefield with Goliath. And they're like, why are you here, water boy? Go back to the sheep. You don't belong here. Real confidence builder. By the way, what the people around you believe is in you isn't what God sees. You might as well raise up and delete, defeat Goliath anyway. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about what the people around you say to you. Right? So here they are. They bullied him. John David could easily bring his past hurts into his present relationship with Jonathan. See, that's, that's how we operate. Oh, fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Shame on you. Right? You ain't going to do it again, in other words. I'm not going to be hurt like that again. So David has this, has this past relational hurt, and that's how a lot of us walk into new relationships. We show up going, what you really like? You going to leave me out? You going to do this to me? Last time I did this, I was hurt. So you know what? I'm, I'm going to tiptoe, like putting my toe in the water. Like, nah, that ain't going to work for me. That's too cold. That's too hot. This time of year, it's probably too hot. It's like a bathtub out there. You know what I'm saying? You get in the pool expecting it to be refreshing. It's like, oh, it's a sauna. That's nice. Like, you know what I'm saying? We're like, we're going we're to we're check this thing out. See what it's really about. Why? Because we let our past dictate our present and future relationships. David has some past baggage he had to get past. He had to get beyond if he was going to have a current relationship with Jonathan, that's why I love that it says, Jonathan loved David. Jonathan loved David. Because Jonathan says, hey, I'm here. And that's, that's so important because we may not get past our past hurts if we don't accept present relationships. Proverbs 10:12 says, love covers over all wrongs. Which means this. You have some wrongs that have happened to you. We all have. Listen, I'll stand on this stage. I could, I could preach a whole message of how people have hurt me. People in the church, by the way, we ain't perfect. Just going to let that slip out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? People in the church, how they hurt. And, and then the temptation is every hurt creates a wall. Every hurt creates this barrier. And that we stop being relational because it's easier to pretend to love people than to genuinely do it because I might get hurt again. So David has a choice to make. Am I going to take my past hurt from my brothers? What happened over here? And let it define a, a, a current relationship. And he says, I can't do that. I can't allow my past hurts to define my present relationships. So I'm going I'm to let myself go into this. Then, then, then there's this relationship killer that takes place. 
Probably the ultimate relationship killer for all of us. If you listen to anything, this is the moment. I'm going to tell you what kills probably more relationships than anything else. Again, David and Jonathan, they have everything going against them. Everything. Now think about this. I need you to put yourself in Jonathan's shoes for a moment. Jonathan was in line for the throne. It was his. He was the king's son. Jonathan had, like, you had one job, man. Defeat the Philistines. That's your job. So you got one job to defeat the Philistines. You're in line for the throne. And here comes this guy named David. What's David do? Oh, you want me to defeat the Philistines? Pick the biggest one, their champion. I'll take him down. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Jonathan. I've been anointed king. I'm the next guy. How's it? Let's imagine you're at work, right? Let's just make this a little modern. You're at work. You're at your desk. You're whatever it is that you do. Somebody walks up and goes, hey, what is it that you're trying to do? Well, I'm trying to do this. I've already done it better. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Right? Like that's that seriously. You got you got you got to see this. Jonathan, that's fine. My dad's the king. I'm in line for the throne. But are you? I mean, really? Because I don't know if you know this or not. The guy Samuel, the oil, all that. He came I but I know you think it's I'm the next king. I'm kind of a big deal. You know, I'm like, like, that's kind of what he says, right? Like, that's how the relationship starts. Now, put yourself in Jonathan's shoes. You're looking at this guy going, all right, so you're taking my job. You're taking my future. This is the moment where the relationship killer begins to come in with jealousy. Jealousy in comparison stops your purpose and theirs because it stops the relationship. God is a relational God. Satan uses comparison to divide relationships. If Jonathan doesn't look at David and says, I'm loving you, I'm choosing this, you've got to look at this again, what Jonathan does, it's so intentional, and we miss it. 1 Samuel 18, 14, Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Why is this important? Because he didn't just hand him a fancy jacket like, hey, dude, here's a cool jacket, go wear it. It's an identity. It's the mantle. He's saying, hey, I'm going to take a back seat to you. And if we could get to the place, listen, in relationships, if we could get to the place where we could celebrate each other rather than compare with each other, we could change everything. We could change everything. Instead, we're going, man, I, I don't know. They're over there. And then what we do is we get skeptical of other people's success because it can't be authentic because that would mean they're better than me. Rather than just saying, God's created me to do something incredible, I'm going to celebrate what they're doing. Celebration is the antidote to comparison. we got to get to where we're celebrating. That's what Jonathan does, says, hey, you know what? If you defeated Goliath, if you defeated Goliath and you're called to be king, let me help you get there, even though it means I'm not going to be king. I'm not going to be king. So if that's your call, I'm going to help you get there, even though it's going to cost me something dearly. That is the core of a relationship. That is when relationships grow. That's when you have genuine love and affection for people. When you say, hey, listen, I think you're going to do great things, so I'm going to help you get there, even if it costs me something. If we could get around people, listen, I believe with all of my heart, we're going to change the world. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take sitting in rooms, sitting at tables with people, who will look at what's going on in us and not talk bad about us, but talk up to us. 
Not talk down to us, but talk up to us. Not talk behind our back, but talk to our face about the incredible things they see in each other. One of the things I love from this church is Miss Betty Jo. Come on, somebody, Miss Betty Jo. And you might be sitting there as a visitor going, I don't know who Miss Buddy Joe is. Yes, you do. You just don't know her name. She goes like this when you come through the front door. You know what I'm saying? Now you know. Now you know. Miss Buddy Joe says one thing to everybody. You're the best. How is everybody the best? See, in my, I'm a very competitive person, by the way. We have a softball team, and I was begged to be a part of it. I said no because I couldn't be the pastor and be on the softball team. Real, real talk here. Y'all don't need people in the community talking about this church that way. When I start yelling at the other team and yell, you think I'm playing. There needs to be a support group for people like me, right? So, so I'm, I'm a competitive person. Whatever I want to do, I, I want to do it the best. So when Miss Betty Joe's like, you're the best, I'm like, oh. But then she tells somebody else they're the best. How could everybody be the best? It doesn't work. Yes, it does in this environment because you're the best at what God called you to be. Stop worrying about somebody else. Stop worrying about what they're called to do. Stop trying to be the best at somebody else's job. Stop trying to worry about them being their best and you be your best. When we get in that mindset, in that lane, all of a sudden we can celebrate each other. All of a sudden we can, we can spur one another on as the Bible has called us to. And then we can get to Romans 12, 10, which I love. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring Honoring each other. We've lost the art of honor. We don't honor each other in relationships. We've lost the art of honor because if, if they're elevated, then I must be diminished. That's your insecurities talking. God already said you're the best. He called you his masterpiece, in fact. So you don't have to worry about anybody else honoring. You start seeking the approval of man and seek the approval of God, and your whole life will be changed. Right? So we, we got to get to the place where we can honor one another. And then, th then there's this secret sauce running around. This is where I'll, I'll begin to wrap up. Later, King Saul, remember Jonathan's dad. Jonathan's dad, King Saul, is trying to kill David. By the way, there will always be people around us trying to destroy us. The question is, when it happens, will we be close, have people close to us that try to protect us? Jonathan has this moment. I mean, David. David has this moment that he makes a decision probably internally. King Saul's trying to kill me. What am I going to do? Look who he turns to. Jonathan. But Jonathan's the king's son. He says, hey, I think your dad's trying to kill me. That had to go well. Hey, bud, come on in. Let's have a cup of coffee. Hey, by the way, I think your dad's going to kill me. Like, I'm sure that happened at like Starbucks. Hey, let's sit down public place so you don't freak out on me. Uh, I was thinking the other day, uh, yeah, your daddy tried to take my head off. It's cool, man. It's cool. No hard feelings. Right? So say, hey, I think your dad's trying to kill me. And they, they work up this plan where Jonathan's going to find out and then warn David. And there's something I saw this week. In the warning, get this. David's going to stand downrange. And I almost brought a bow and arrow on the stage, but then I realized I might shoot it and that would be bad because I probably don't have good aim. So David... David's going to stand downrange, and, and Jonathan's going to draw his bow with his arrows, and he's going to shoot. See, sometimes we won't put an arrow in someone's hand to defend us because we're afraid they're going to shoot us. Remember, David has some past hurts of his brothers. 
He had to trust Jonathan. He had to trust Jonathan. He had to say, Jonathan, guess what? I'm going to stand down here. And if you shoot this way and your messenger goes beyond me, I'll know my life is at risk. Sometimes we can't get to our purpose because we're choosing to live in isolation. Your purpose may only be unfolded in relationship. Your significance is not a solo mission. Come on, somebody. We, we want to be, I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. I'm a self-made woman. No, you're not. It took tons of people. Your mama changed your diapers. You ain't self-made nothing. She put the bottle together, right? We are dependent on each other, but as we grow, we're like, I don't need nobody. And here David is going to run for his life. And he puts the arrow in somebody else's hand. Says, I need somebody to walk through this with me. I need somebody to be on my side. I need somebody. And he chooses trust. Genuine, authentic relationships is the breeding ground of trust. And if we don't have people we can trust, we don't have people that we'll put, we'll put the arrow in their hand, we may never see the throne. David may have been called to be king, but if Jonathan's not in David's life, I'm not sure he gets there. Because Jonathan laid it down, and Jonathan protected him when he was hurt. Who you choose to do life with greatly dictates your future. Who you choose to be around, who you choose to do authentic relationship with, greatly affects your purpose. That's why here we say things like life change happens in the context of relationships. I, I've, I've said some statements so much, if I started them, the people around me would finish them. I was in a conversation the other day, and someone used one of my own statements against me. That's not fair. You can't preach to the preacher. Come on, somebody, you can't do that. I'm there, and they go, well, don't you know isolation leads to devastation? I'm like, where'd you hear that? You. I take it back. <laughs> like, you, know, you, can't, you can't do that. But here's the reality. Isolation leads to devastation. And the appearance of connection is not authentic. That's why Romans, the scripture I open with, says don't pretend. Don't pretend. See, this is the, 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 the temptation is we show up to a big church. We show up to a room full of people like, man, I'm in community. No, you, you're in a crowd. Being in a crowd and being in community are different. Sometimes we'll hide behind the crowd. And you're sitting in a seat going, man, I don't feel like I know anybody. But I'm in the crowd. Hey. I'm here. That wasn't the call. The call was to live in genuine community with each other. To share life, even when it gets messy. Not to let those past hurts and hiccups affect our present relationship. Not be jealous or comparison, comparing what's happened with somebody else. Like, oh, but they, but they, but they got that and I want that. Not, not, not live like that. That we genuinely celebrate each other. Man, that's awesome. I'm glad for you. And choose to trust. You see, for us, the platform for all of this is what we call small groups. That's the table. See, we've set the table for you saying, hey, come, come be a part of the family. And, and immediately when I said that, your first thought was, wait, 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 wait. I don't have time for that. That's the wall. I'm going to be honest. That's the wall. I got I to gotta run and be at all those places. All those places are called crowds, not community. 
sitting at the table with people, getting to know people. What, what, what makes us special isn't the crowd, it's the connection. It's that when, when you walk through the door, people look for you, they look you in the eye, they care about you. The place that grows most is at the table and that's called small groups. So today we, we open small groups up. Our leaders are ready. They've been trained. They're, they're ready to, to sit at the table with you and get to know you. You need to do life with people. We have, we have men's groups and, and women's groups and couples groups. And one of the, come on, can I just celebrate for a moment? We're a church that's just one year old and we have a foster care small groups because we believe in those that the community is abandoning. Come on, you need to get excited about that. As a church, as a church, we have five times the average amount of foster cares. Five times. God's doing something special. And then we have a financial peace group as well. I'm telling you, this isn't, this isn't a sales pitch. This isn't that. This is a call to relational living, that we sit at the table with each other. We look each other in the eye and we get to know each other. We walk through life. We, we, we carry each other's burdens and we speak to each other's purpose. That, when you have that, you will change the world. I have no doubt. When you have someone that's sitting at the table going, you can do it. I remember, I'm going to take you back for just a moment before I wrap up. Sitting around with Chris and Brittany, Dan and Jen, Jonathan and Kristen going, guys, is this all going to work? Like, for real. Venture was hypothetical without a name. And I'm going, guys, we're going to try to start a church. Is it all going to work? Someone then said, yes. And they spoke into my purpose. And because I was surrounded with people who would breathe life into my purpose and not be, not be scared of it, not be worried about what's going on there. We're out of chairs today in one year, y'all. We're out of chairs. That's unbelievable. If you could stand where I stand, like I, I don't have my phone. I wanted to get a selfie a moment ago. I won't. That would be weird. All right? But you know what happened? People in my life spoke into my purpose. But see, before that, someone reminded me that this whole idea of family this whole idea of connection, this whole idea of trust and forgiveness and, and, and not comparing and celebrating wasn't ours. It was his. We only love because he first loved us. We are all able to do this because we've experienced the love that is greater than any man could ever give us. And today, no matter what brought you into this room, into this moment, it would be my honor to share that with you. If nothing else, for one Sunday, you, you, you get to be here, and I hope you come back next week. I hope you, you become a part of our family. But if nothing else, let me tell you this. Long before we loved you, he loved you. He created you on purpose, for purpose. You're not ever intended to wake up and exist. You're intended to wake up and change the world. Every day when my kids get out of, out of the truck to go to school, I yell at them, go change the world. Why? Because God's like a breath in their lungs, they should go change the world because that's what they were created to do. And so are you. And as we get older, we trade our, our purpose for existence, for survival. And you walked in here going, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it through another Monday. One, I want to tell you, you will.
Two, I want to tell you, you won't do it alone. He will walk beside you. And three, you have an incredible family that says, let us walk through with you. So if you do me a favor today, bow your heads, close your eyes. You're in this room right now. And you say, man, I don't have, I don't have that relationship with God. I've been to church before. I've done the religion before. I've done the obligation before. But I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know that. I want to tell you, he made the way. All you have to do is say yes. He's done all the work. All you have to do is accept it. If you're here right now in this moment and you know you don't have a relationship with God, you know something has separated you and him, I won't embarrass you, I promise. I just want to pray with you. If that's you, do me a favor, raise your hand real quick and look at me. No one else look around. Thank you. Come on, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anybody else, raise your hand up and look at me. Just get it up. Thank you so much. Anyone else? I'm just going to pray with you. I'm just going to pray with you. Thank you guys so much. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer after me, all my friends and especially those that raised their hand. Let's say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, accepting me, pursuing me. Today, I make you Lord. I accept you in your name. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.